they're taking what you're saying to them, and they're hoping that you are what you talk. Let's be about anything we drop, because we're going to get tested on it. If, we, if, if the people on the street don't test us on it, God's going to test us on it. Kill the Mockingbird. Truth the Report with Sean Chris and Sebastian Farr. Kick his ass, Steve Ass. Wake up! What's Wake up, America? Wake the fuck up, Hey, well, that man is not allowed in my pub. Get out of my pub. Go on. Calm yourself down. Get out of my pub. Calm down. Sorry, can you keep out of the way? Thank you. Yeah, see, that was good. Like, in, uh, I'm glad you explained it because, I mean, it was hard to tell with the clip of just if you're listening to the audio, but I would suggest... Just the audio. Yeah, I'd recommend... I'd recommend people go look it up on YouTube. Uh, just type in Kier Stama, um, uh, pub landlord, or it will pop up right away. Um, it was a major news story over there. And it's a good point he raises because, you know, the Labor Party is supposed to be the opposition to the conservatives who are in power over there. And they've gone full lockdown, uh, some of the hardest lockdowns across uh, the, the globe. And, um, you know, hospitality industry uh businesses small businesses like pubs uh bed and breakfasts you know small hotels and stuff restaurants they've all been hurt uh in a big way throughout the lockdowns and never really gotten the attention and the discussion about it really uh as they deserved and then you know he's supposed to be you know his party leader he's says he's a longtime labor uh, voter and he doesn't even want to have the conversation with them. Well, that also it's, was uh, telling to me is that, like, again, just like over here, it's that ruling class, that elitist attitude. And it, it carries on over there where he's saying, I think I did do a good job. And I don't think you need to lecture me. Like, he doesn't want to hear what the constituents have to say, the people that vote for you. Yeah. And it was telling, too, because they had him on, like, good, uh, I think it's Good Morning Britain uh, for this interview and he kind of was, you know, holding his ground on his uh, talking points about, like, the death rates and stuff and how lockdowns have hurt uh, small businesses in particular and how it's uh, not talked about at all. And they were just kind of brushing it off and, like, saying, oh, you should stick to pulling pints or, you know, this is a typical COVID idiot and, you know, all this sort of, like, derisive terminology. It just shows, like the there's like such a disconnect between the ruling class the elitists you know especially in the mainstream media who think quite highly of themselves in comparison to the average you know blue collar worker yeah and it's uh also i didn't clip it but there was also those protests out there too uh this weekend yeah and they were uh yeah that was massive and now that's what's trending on twitter is that covid idiot which is funny because it's like used both ways you know like some people use it for people that are like maskers and vaxxers and all that and vice versa. But yeah, they were uh, talking about a, calling it a uh, super spreader and people were, you know, back and forth of you're an idiot, you're going to infect everybody, we're almost to the end, kind of speaking to the narrative and agenda that people have been saying for a while. But it was interesting. It looks like uh, to me they're, they're going through the same thing that we are going through, which everybody is. And people are speaking out because people are sick of it. You're seeing just average people saying stuff where they're like, I'm done with this, you know? Oh, for sure. I mean, I'm seeing it across, like, all my personal spheres, basically. It's like people are willing to travel, meet together. They're over it, whether they're, you know, pro-vax and got the vaccine or not. You know, people are ready to get back to normal. And I think um, we're going to have to take it back for ourselves. And yeah. it's good to see the London protests, like, how, how big it looked. Um, 
from the sources I saw. And it was funny, the media was trying to say, oh, it was only 10K people, and it's a super spreader event of some few conspiracy theory theorists. But it it looked like it was a huge crowd. Looked like almost a million people, maybe three quarters of a million. But it was a massive turnout, and big ups to them. Well done, guys. And since we're talking about COVID, I was going to have this later, but since we're already on this topic, I'm going to show you a few clips I got of what's going around here because you know there's not the you know some states have blocked the use of a vaccine passport but there is a lot of activity going on that i have a clip of oracle arena and of dodger stadium so let's see what they got to do over there and now there's a clear divide over who is and isn't vaccinated at dodger stadium this weekend fans with proof can sit in a fully vaccinated section but they have to wear a mask on game day. So they still got to wear a mask, but they get their own section. And the same thing, Oracle Arena in Oakland, where the uh, uh, Warriors used to play, um, they're doing the same thing. Oracle Park is starting to welcome back even more fans. And there's a special perk for those who are fully vaccinated, their own seating section. Dr. Peter Chin Hong is a professor of medicine and infectious disease at UCSF. He says even though all the people in the section will be vaccinated, there's still a risk. People may feel a little bit more invincible, which is not the case. Uh, the more noses and mouths you bring together, even though they are vaccinated. He says it's not the same as being in a small group of vaccinated people. There will be hundreds of people in a close space. That leads to a higher likelihood that there are multiple people who didn't build up immunity to the vaccine. Dr. Chin Hong says even in the vaccinated sections, precautions are essential. Being vaccinated or not really doesn't make a huge difference when you bring a large number of people together. And those precautions that the doctor were talking about are, of course, watch your distance, wash your hands, and wear a mask like the one I'm wearing right now. The park requires you to wear a mask like this at all times unless you're eating or drinking. Amanda, all you have to do is just uh, bring your card showing that you have both vaccinations and the Giants will let you in? Yes, so you need to bring that card or have an electronic version of that card, but you also have to be that two weeks after that second dose. So if you were to have gotten your second dose today and tried to go to the game you that wouldn't count you need either a negative test to be able to do that and you couldn't sit in the vaccinated section even though you do have both doses you need that two weeks as well <laughs> and, and that was my bad oracle park uh that's where the giants baseball team play yeah but you they have their right. own little vaccine sections but they're still saying the same thing that yeah but you still got to wear your mask and uh social distance and all the same uh, rhetoric that we've been hearing for over a year now, man, which is pretty funny. Like I was telling, it's just funny to me because, like, man, imagine, man, like literally in 2019, I would not think uh, we would be right here, right now, doing <laughs> talking about uh, a virus, especially that we know like all the statistics on it, um, the stuff going out and stuff that's happening about the vaccine that is uh, really telling. And there's a lot of, like, influencers out there. You know, uh, Saki was talking about, you know, they gave $3 million to NASCAR. Um, other, And you've seen probably all these commercials with different religious leaders, which all got money. Like, they, had a P they have a PR team, literally, for COVID. That's, like, a real thing. And I think marketing PR is something, like, that the government should not be into. But that's just my own uh, thing on that. So here's another... Uh, one of those influencers, remember, uh, I think it was last week, 
um, we were talking about that influencer that kind of uh, raised the red flag that she got approached by Pfizer. Well, here's another influencer that uh, is on TikTok. Uh, someone sent this to me. I don't really know who's big on TikTok. I don't go on TikTok. I don't really know how to run it. But um, what's it called? This one, uh, she talks about she rented a car because she doesn't have a car just so she could get the vaccine. I thought it was just kind of funny. Guys, guys, I literally just rented a car for the day so that I can get my first vaccine shot. I'm getting my first vaccine shot. I was eligible starting Monday. I looked, there's one appointment, but it's at a drive-thru area only, and I don't have a car. But I was willing to rent a car so that you can stick a needle in my arm to get this vaccine. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So these are what these uh, paid influencers are saying on, like, TikTok, uh, hyping people up, spreading the propaganda of uh, how important it is to get that without really telling you anything about the side effects or anything, but it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Yeah. It's, it's telling, you know, they're going at you uh, at all angles, trying as uh, desperately as they can to uh, push this vaccine forward on all fronts. It's, it's incredible. I got a good article that comes from another vaccine influencer. Uh, Joe Biden says, get teenagers vaccinated. So families can gather for 4th of July. Biden first proposed the idea of allowing families and friends to gather for Independence Day on March 11, but he expressed concern on Wednesday that the country was not ready. If we let up now and stop being vigilant, the virus will erase the progress we've already achieved, he said. The president spoke at the White House marking progress for the vaccinations as more than 50% of American adults have signed at least one shot, have had at least one shot of the vaccine. To many six Americans, 16 years and older, it's now your turn. So go get your vaccine before the end of May. And just the push right there, for me, it's alarming because for boys, the fight, like developmental years carry on until till you're 25. Yep, exactly. And there's been no long-term studies. So, I mean... It's just crazy how hard they're pushing it right now. And I don't know in terms of like I don't know if you heard this clip. Like, you know, there's been a lot of like uh reporters and stuff uh where they, you know, uh a Freudian slip where they've said like virus instead of vaccine, a lot of that. And did you see the one about the euthanize? Yep. Yeah, here's the Worrying health officials who call mass vaccinations the only path to a return to normalcy. Almost four months into the vaccination effort, providers are beginning to run out of people who want to be euthanized. <laughs> Unbelievable Freudian slip there. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got a little report out here in Detroit, like, and these are a lot of reports going out, too, that a lot of people just are, like, over the vaccine. Like, people are like, all right, man, we're just trying to, like, live our life. So here's... In, uh, uh, the vaccine report. now easier to get than ever before. No appointments needed at many locations in Detroit, but take a look. Unfortunately, people are not showing up. It is a huge concern for the health department. We respect everyone's uh, decision whether they want to get vaccinated or not. And I'm hoping that they will get the vaccine, not only for themselves, but for their family and for their community. Today, during our time at TCF, one person, just one, came in to get vaccinated. They encouraged me to come down, so I'm coming down to take it. Eric says he's here for a simple reason, not only to protect himself, but his loved ones. To protect myself. 
and to protect others. People that hang around my family. Starting today, between 9 and 5, these are the different locations you can go to in the city of Detroit to get your vaccine. No appointment needed. The mayor's team will be taking a close look at these numbers during the next few weeks, and as you can see, they are already thinking ahead. There's the possibility that there could be more work to bring the vaccine directly to people within their own neighborhoods. We will keep you updated. It's not working. Oh boy. <laughs> it's not working. Oh, boy. We've been talking about that for a long time. A lot of people have yeah. anyway, saying, oh, that'll never happen. They'll never go into the community. It's it's going to be like your choice. You can go get it. But, oh, not enough people have got it to have the right level of, quote, unquote, herd immunity, which they even say it themselves. It doesn't guarantee you don't spread it asymptomatically. It doesn't guarantee that you can't get it yourself. So, I mean, I feel like the propaganda push and just, you know, the continual need for masks and lockdowns afterwards, like, I think plenty of people are aware of, like, there's no end to this in sight. It Like, complying to the vaccine now is not going to end this. So I feel like that's where the resistance is. And we really got to just hold the line at this point. Yeah, and people are just like, you have the wrong people sending these messages out. Like, people we already don't trust. <laughs> We're like, we don't even trust exactly. these people anyways. And that's the people you chose? All right. And then them and huge corporations that already screw the working class over and we're supposed to like i think that's the the plan that's backfiring they were hoping like we were going to be stupid enough to be suckered in to be like hey man look these guys that make movies do it like hey the guy that <laughs> it's just not working the peer pre they taught us not to uh fall for peer pressure and i think it's starting <laughs> to work exactly i remember that being such a big thing in high school is don't succumb to peer pressure you know don't do drugs and you know don't try and be cool to you know fit in well you know i'm applying that logic right now <laughs> <laughs> well let's spin out of uh, uh some of this COVID talk because you know there's so much i know so many people yeah. talk about it um and i know this was another hot uh a clip but i just wanted to bring it up anyway so we could kind of touch on the subject this is the mad owl meltdown i don't know if you, i'm sure you're seeing it it's all around I will tell you, um, this Arizona story, like I said, I did not expect to and be I hate seeing Maddow. it, She's uh, to idiot. be covering it again um, tonight after we covered it last night. It is obviously strange. It's laughable in lots of ways. But uh, the president, former President Trump, um, put out a statement today lauding this and talking about how this was going to reveal the truth of the 2020 election and citing a whole bunch of other states that are also going to now do this to reveal the truth of the 2020 election. And he's still maintaining this fantasy that he somehow won and that Joe Biden isn't really the president anymore. He's not the legitimate president. What the Arizona Republicans are doing here, this process by which they are bastardizing the actual secure election from November 2020, and they're going to produce some result that says that it was some other fraudulent thing, will be used by the Trump part of the Republican Party and the Trump right uh, to cast doubt on the 2020 election among their most fervent supporters in a way that none of their failed lawsuits in the past have been able to do. They got the actual ballots and they handed them to conspiracy theorists who say that, you know, QAnon is the mastermind or whatever it is uh, that stopped this, the, that they need to use to stop the steal and all. I mean, the craziest parts of the pro-Trump conspiracy theory world have the actual ballots and are going to declare that something different happened in election, in the election in Arizona than what really happened. And that will become a lie that they try to live on and build on um, for a long time to come. You watch. This is a ridiculous story that will become very dangerous in the long run. 
<laughs> so like i mean she's obviously like going overboard on it and laying it on thick so panic mode it sounds like 100 <laughs> percent. and i'm like okay well why wouldn't you just go do some journalism like go and find that why they're wrong instead of just smearing people like now journalism seems to just smear the other person without any actual facts at all they just say whatever they want on both sides and i just thought it was funny that she's just like in a panic mode and ranting about this is crazy i can't believe it and i'm like you're a journalist and you work for like a news company you think you would do something about it yeah it's it's interesting because um they are doing their very best to avoid even going into this story at all um in my opinion i hadn't actually heard the that rant from matt out oh, but um, perfect <laughs> you know nothing unexpected from her really um and it's interesting because it's like, don't we want to have transparency? Don't we want to have free and fair elections all around? Shouldn't Democrats be confident that their election victory was legitimate? Why can't we actually go back and have a forensic audit and look at these things? And I say go for it all around, across the board, every county in the country, if you will. Um, just have a look. Let's see if we can actually find something there because then we can dispel if it's nothing there. We can dispel the theory, and if there is something there, which is be the crazy part is um, I think there is, and I don't know if there will be anything done about it because I'm not sure the political will exists to, to execute the follow-through for that. And depending on, like, the outcome, like, obviously, like, yes. if it's enough where it shifts, then that's where the, the – where if there's enough evidence where they have to do something, it kind of, like, ties their hands. But yeah, I, see, I agree with you that if they have the option to wiggle out, they're going to definitely wiggle out because we both know that both sides both do all kinds of stuff to win elections. Most definitely. We've seen it over the you know past few decades. It, it happens. But I don't know. there's a lot more to this one, I feel like, than past yeah. ones uh, on different issues. But, you know, I think it's just it's just got to be investigated and thoroughly by real journalists real investigators and it's you know that was pretty telling what you're saying like oh we're giving the evidence to conspiracy theorists well you know from what i can tell from what i've seen into it and i haven't done a whole lot of research but it seems like they're not conspiracy theorists they're just kind of experts in their field and they've been called in to kind of have a second look at things so i don't know it's it's interesting the mainstream media is going to be on full panic mode about this looks like so it also feels like they're just uh clinging on to something to because we all know that their ratings have like been super low like nobody's really paying attention yeah. to them as much anymore so although i mean how many times did you say trump yeah, in there yeah for real <laughs> and, and that's like what they exactly uh, let's throw his name back in it so we can get those ratings back up and it seems to me that they're desperate they're like almost dying out it seems like they're just gasp of last few breaths of trying to have any credibility credibility whatsoever i don't think many people even believe the news i think that's just people are like hey, yeah even people that used to be uh diehard uh listening to fox or cnn they all know like that's eh, kind of bullshit <laughs> most definitely and i have an interesting news story that um i think the media is gonna you know spin their own way for sure but here we have the state of washington or washington dc House Democrats approved DC as the 51st state. There's been a compared there's been comparative comparatively little debate of the bill in the House where perfunctory hearings rushed it to the floor. 
What was missing by design in the house was any acknowledgement, let alone consideration of alternatives to creating the first Vatican-like city-state in the country. Most importantly, there was no discussion of what district citizens could gain from an alternative to statehood. And I think this is kind of, you know, Democrats uh, in uh, Congress trying to push to get control of the Senate. Yeah. And then I think the next step for them is going to be going for four more uh, seats in the Supreme Court. Yeah. that They've said okay. as much themselves. Yeah, they're already push. They're already making that push. But they're like, yeah, I don't see the benefit of it. Like other than that for them as a party. Um, and they could they have the, the reason why they want to do D.C. is because they have the pool there. They're not going to somewhere where they would have some more of a conservative outlook. You know what I mean? Where they would get, like give the Republicans the Senate, which would be kind of ironic if something like that happened, you know? Like if <laughs> yeah, they stopped talking about Puerto Rico as a state because I think he Trump did pretty well um, in the election in Puerto Rico. Well, plus, like I wouldn't state. want uh, if I was in Puerto Rico, I wouldn't want them to make me a state because then we have to start paying taxes. No, like right now, it's yeah, <laughs> that's a big advantage they have is uh, their tax breaks. There's a lot of Americans that go down there and live there because of the tax breaks. Yep. Here's a little bit of some good old propaganda uh, by CNN. Uh, they moved in from two different uh, directions. Some of the protesters had started a small uh, campfire to stay warm in the middle of the street. And sh shortly after that, they moved in very rapidly from the, the police station and then from the north side of the police station as well, uh, sort of boxing everybody in. <laughs> they started a little far in the street to stay warm. And I want to remind people, like, when we see all these protests and stuff, like, this is like an old saying, you know what I mean, right here in the... The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised, man. When you're seeing corporate sponsors, when you're seeing huge uh, 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 support from uh, government, these are not the people that back the revolution. Those are the opposition, and people have to remember that. Like, I, I think that people in the streets want that, maybe, but they have to remember who's backing them and why they are backing them. Most definitely, you're seeing that in a big way. Um, I have a couple interesting stories that kind of relate to that um, from Summit News. Alternate juror on Chauvin trial says she feared riots, people turning up at her home. The alternate witness revealed uh, to KARE11 uh, how the riots that preceded the verdict were close to her house, and she routinely witnessed them after the trial had concluded that, uh, for that day. And that is part of that, you know, that quote-unquote revolution that doesn't get televised, though. So there's like, you know, they kind of have a cloak and dagger policy, really, and there's a lot of smoke and mirrors they use to kind of show what they want of it and say it's, you know, mostly peaceful, but then not reveal what the darker side of things that it goes on. Well, well uh, plus that was an alternate juror, though, that she was an alternate. It was. She was an alternate, but... I don't, I don't think she should have been doing interviews, probably, but... It's an interesting take because I feel like there was a good argument for the whole of the jury to be sequestered during the trial, but they weren't. Uh, the judge kind of, I feel like, dropped the ball on that. Yeah, I feel like uh, um, it's definitely fuel to the fire, like, to to help the divide. Like, that's what I'm saying. People that uh, are protesting want change, real change. Like, 
But the problem yeah. is I mean, that the, the the, they're, they're being guided into a wrong direction that they can't see because people don't understand that the, the police state is connected to the, the, the biochemical state and, and connected to the military industrial complex, all of that. You know what I mean? That all has to intake big, yeah, big pharma, you know what I mean? All that is what we have to be keeping our eye on. And, and that's the, the difficult part that people struggle with, all of us. And that's what like we try to decipher this propaganda because there, we live in a police state. I, I know people don't like to uh, talk about that, but it's true. And that doesn't mean that police are bad or that they, uh, but there is a lot of situations that are built from this police state. Like these neighborhoods have turned this way because of the drug war and ripping them apart. And even like, you know, CIA pushing in uh, uh, cocaine, all this stuff that we forget they caused this. They, they they destroyed these communities, and that's why people. But that's why I think we need to shed light more on just like, yeah, okay, yeah, you're right. We live in a police state, but it's more than just that. We can't just stop stop right there. We have to keep going. Like, what about the CIA? What about the NSA? What about all these intelligent agencies infiltrating groups right now, even, and literally feeding disinformation to both sides and causing conflict to further their agenda of getting a true police state where it would be even harder for us to even have conversations like this. Most definitely. It's a uh, pretty well planned out and blueprinted uh, social engineering from on high and their, you know, their lackeys at uh, central intelligence agencies and NSA, FBI, you know, ATF in particular. Uh, there's a co cohesive effort to kind of game the system and almost create uh, the divide and conquer narrative like you're saying. Mainstream media is applic uh, applicable to that as well. Yeah, exactly. They're the uh, another uh, arm of this because they're part of the manipulation and pushing a lot of this uh, different narratives to separate the working class like we always talk about because that's, to me, the most important part is to unite the working class. We have differences, but we can find solutions together, not with the government. Like The government's not going to help us whatsoever, so we have to reach out to different parts of our communities like you know what I mean maybe a community member that you wouldn't necessarily reach out to you need to reach out to these and make these new ties that will further our agenda which is just living life and being a human and just trying to live my life and be happy yeah which you can get basically. a lot of people on board with that <laughs> yeah I think so I think um, people are seeing in a big way how government has overreached it's overplayed its hand really uh, especially with the lockdowns and all that um you know, those weren't necessarily popular as much as like polling through the mainstream media would try and suggest. I feel like a lot of people were very reluctant to go along with that after a while. Yeah, I think so. I think that right now uh, people are too, like I said, there people have been cooped up for a long time. Even like the people that were following all the rules and stuff are starting to get uh, hesitant. And especially when you're hearing like, hey, I've already taken the vaccine and I still have to wear a mask. And people are still pushing that I have to social distance. And all these rules are not even going away. So the whole reason why I just said, all right, I'm going to do what you asked me to do. And I still do it. And like, there's no reward. So it's like people aren't seeing the benefit of it. Like they're seeing more of the risk now. And I think people are starting to try to make informed decisions. I don't think anybody's rushing uh, one way or the other. I think they want to see and let it play out to see what happens. Like no one's trying to say right now, I got to do this. We got to uh, let's just play it out. Let's see how important this is. Maybe it goes away. And I think that's the mentality people are starting to have and starting to go out more and be like, ah, I'm not going to wear a mask. Ah, I'm not going to do this, you know, and there's going to be that. And I'm seeing this clash now. Now, I'm seeing it online, not as much uh, 
out where I've been, but you know, you're seeing a little clash of people that are just like, dude, I don't care. You can do whatever you want. Like they weren't ever telling people not about a mask or nothing. They're just like, leave me alone. I'm going to do my thing. And there's starting to be this right. like divide of people are like vaccinated, not vaccinated. You know what I mean? And they're just trying to split that into another form of uh, splitting us apart. And the only thing that we could do is just try to uh, be as personal as uh, as possible and then like just walk away from situations when when you know you that like, you can't engage with this person without a negative outcome it's just like what's the point of even engaging in it just try to keep pushing and uh fixing what you can of yourself 100% agreement um there's bigger issues in life than like you know trying to enforce mass mass policies on other people or trying to convert people who are pro mask to your way of thinking. It's like, just move on with your life and live it to the fullest. I mean, if you want, if you're at risk and you feel like you need to take precautions, do so with our blessing. And if you need help, let people know, but don't feel like you can enforce that sort of thinking on everyone else. You know, everyone's got their own life to live and they want to see their family members. They want to travel. They want to spend time with their friends, you know, live a normal life. Yeah, it's time. We're getting back to normal. We're going to take it back ourselves. Yeah, and that's what we got to do. And uh, here's a little report from PBS. And this is some of the reality that also happened during the lockdowns is like overdoses have gone up big time. Also today, Most new definitely. federal data show drug overdose deaths began rising again before the pandemic and accelerated once it hit. The CDC said that more than 87,000 Americans died in the year ending in September 2020, mostly from opioids and methamphetamines. That's up 30 percent from a year earlier. 30 percent. That's pretty bad. I think because a lot of people hit That's a big jump. hit a uh, uh, mental issue walls this year, you know, like I mean, this past year, a lot of uh, strain that if you are already going through something, it was easy to uh, fall over the edge, you know. Yeah, most definitely. Um, with the threat of people, oh, lots of people did lose their jobs. I was one of them. Um, lucky for me, I bounced back on my feet quickly. But um, I know a lot of people went through a real tough time with the just the isolation and um, kind of the fear mongering from the, the media and then kind of spread into the general populace. Um, that put a big toll on a lot of people. And I know I I lost a few people I know that I went to school with, um, and it's tragic. Uh, you know, don't know what to say. I'm just glad we're kind of coming around to the realization that it's, you know, even in the mainstream media, they're actually highlighting that there's been a lot of negatives to these lockdowns. Yeah, because you're, you're now isolated into a situation. If you're already in a bad situation, uh, you're stuck in it, whether it be abuse of like a spouse or child abuse or uh, drug addiction. And then maybe your spouse is an addict, too. So you're both addicts. How are you going to get you know what I mean? You're not getting away from the problem that you need to get away from. And it doesn't give you the opportunities to solve those problems sometimes where people do need help and go to counselors and be in group sessions. And and Zoom is not enough for them to uh, keep pushing through those tough moments. So I think everything is perspective. I think. um whether you're talking about like uh, racial injustice or overdoses, I think we all have to pause and do think and put everybody's perspective into what's going on instead of just going uh, rushing to our natural 
cause that would go to whatever's for me, right? Like if someone's getting hurt in my circle, of course, like, or if it's relative to me or I can relate to it, it's going to be easier for me to empathize with it. But if we kind of just be more empathetic to all situations and kind of try to get grasp some sort of understanding, if the person's being logical with you, obviously, but that way we can form those communications and build those bridges that we always talk about where we can kind of see and you can place these situations into each other like the same psyops that are going on like when you can show someone yes there is racial uh, uh, inequalities in this country for sure but you have to also see that they are using this as a weapon to further divide and get agenda and release more powers that's not going to make it better for you or for me you know what I mean so like we need to kind of realize that instead of pushing uh towards that what natural uh emotion which when something happens it puts us into that and it happens to me too like you get into like a whirlwind of emotions of where you're like see it's happening now and you you, you get really angry but when you're able to stop uh, uh, get out of the moment and really break it down you can see the benefit of all of us being able to work together and having more unity and uh having the people the working class uh united instead of the 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 ruling class being united and we're divided. Certainly, um, you know, and I feel like in a big way, the powers that be, you know, the cathedral, the media and various players in the government are pushing the critical race theory thing because it's so divisive and it's creating a lot more uh, problems than it's solving, in my opinion. Um, I have an interesting article uh, I, I saw from the post millennial uh, Washington's Washington public school staff taught that they are implicitly and explicitly upholding racism and white supremacy. Employees of Lake Washington school district in Washington state were subjected to equity classes where white staff members were told that because of the color of their skin, they were implicitly and explicitly upholding racism and white supremacy. The curriculum for the training came from Robin DeAngelo's book, what does it mean to be white? Um, D'Angelo wrote in the book that whiteness and or white identity means the means to be socialized as a white person and act whiteness by implicit and explicit, explicitly upholding racism and white supremacy and participate in the rewards of being perceived white. Now, don't get me wrong. Like you were saying, there are issues to be addressed in terms of uh, racial issues, but I feel like that sort of rhetoric is implicitly racist in itself against, you know, one particular race. Well, I feel like it's counterproductive. So what they do is, um, it is. They, 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 they change it, right. They keep changing it. So we can say, um, this is the bad guy or this is because obviously me as a person, I have no particular power. Like they're not going to give a crap. Like if it's me in front of a judge, or like me versus a cop versus anybody versus a cop, I'm going to lose like in a court of law. You know what I mean? Like they're going to take his word over my word all day long. There's no way they're going to just pick apart my past and be like, oh, look, you did this. Oh, look, you did this. And they're going to definitely uh, assassinate my character. That's why, like, I think um, it's counterproductive to do stuff like that, because what it does is it goes, OK, now you're in a shitty situation like the person feels right. They go, OK, I've been in that shitty situation, so I don't feel sympathy for you, which is understandable, because why would you if you've been feeling like the same way this person is feeling now, you're not going to feel sympathy for them or back them up. You're going to be like, look, that's what you get. You know what I mean? I didn't get that. You know what I mean? Just like when you work somewhere and someone goes, well, nobody trained me. You know what I mean? And they don't want to train the the new person. Well, no one trained me. And I'm like, well, wouldn't you want it now that you since you knew that it was a bad situation, it sucked to not be trained. Wouldn't that make you want to train this person even more? 
wouldn't that make you want to go over above and beyond because you know how it is you you went through that but it's not always that easy you know what i mean so they're they're making this divide and then also people are being able to profit off this a lot of grifters are becoming very prevalent in in these movements of where they're pushing agendas and they don't care either way they're what they care about is getting money and they're getting people riled up that are already emotionally charged because there are in bad situations there are in communities that like i said earlier were damaged like it's not just about uh to me uh what people are talking about they should be talking about more is like the demilitarizing the police and ending the war on drugs and decriminalizing all drugs because these actually will benefit people and fix situation release people that are uh, no victim no crime like people are in jail for literally having weed or having a substance that is considered illegal and what are they changing because they're getting more drugs in jail they're 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 doing more people are going to jail and they're they're potheads and they're coming back fucking uh addicted to heroin so I don't see the benefit and how is that creating a better society? All it is doing is pumping money through the uh, criminal justice system, whether it be uh, uh, the county jails and all these private prisons, because people don't realize you can buy stock in these private prisons. That's why uh, America has the most prisoners. We've had the most. Our prisons are filled more than even like China. You know what I mean? China, uh, uh, even with their Uyghur situation, we still are, are outdoing them. So that's a problem. Like it's not like. You, they're not just locking up people for their mass murderers or their murderer. They're they're literally getting people for selling DVDs or, you know what I mean, uh, bootleg DVDs or a bootleg this or whatever. They're they're very p petty crimes that people are doing five six years or having a small amount of cocaine or crack or um, some kind of substance. And we got to realize that's not benefiting society. It's only making it worse. Yeah, I definitely can see where you're coming from with that too. And like they mix, you know the petty crimes and the like the unarmed robberies and uh you know when someone enters a home uh when no one's there and they get caught for that they're mixing them with the the you know the full-timers the gangsters and uh the rapists and all that and it just kind of is a bit of a i don't mean a minefield really it's just you're gonna probably get more radicalized in there than actually getting treatment and kind of going back towards a path of recovery um and the drug usage thing too i i do agree to a degree um i think substance possession shouldn't be criminalized uh but there is an argument to be made about like dealing um especially if they're dealing to minors or if it's a very addictive substance i feel like it's kind of more a morally not so good area for me. I mean, but like fast uh, food's addictive, soda's addictive, like it is. And these are it is. Don't detrimental wrong, to but... your health. I think it's like um, you waste that money on drugs when you can put that into education. And if you get an educated, if you educate people and you raise their quality of life, they're more likely to go to a positive direction. If you give them these opportunity and different options, if you only have fewer, the fewer options that you got to take what you can take. Right. You know what I mean? You got to make of what you can because you still want to live a good life. And I just think that people would make better decisions. And to me, if you want to live in a free society, you have to be able to make those decisions. Do I think people should be doing heroin and, and, and uh, everyday slamming? No. 
But I think that we should be able to make those decisions as free humans or we're not because then we're having regulation. And, and I think that we should regulate ourselves and we need to step away from the government regulation to where we can govern our not govern ourselves. Obviously, there's so, we can have some small sort of uh, government to, to uh, supply the military and uh, protect our home. We shouldn't be around in all these other countries. Just have our, our boys at home, you know someone comes on our turf then we, we we do what we have to do and just really better ourselves as a country and let the free market work it out like we depend on the government for everything like all these police are government agencies like and there is free market options where they actually work and they are solutions that can fix uh the system instead of um what we've been going through like there's the detroit threat management they're a private police company that works with uh like grocery stores and stuff around in the Detroit area for like I think 13 14 years maybe longer I could don't quote me on that but they've been protecting cuz the police are, have been underfunded for years out uh, out here and uh people are, there's a lot of crime so they they found unique ways of stopping crime without actually harming people and uh deterring crime from those areas and protecting the residents so there is options out there that are available and we need to look into them. Like, why do we have to depend on the government when there's free market options that we could actually sue those people? You know what? Then they would be held accountable. Oh, this guy shot. Why did he shoot him? Then there's an investigation instead of like, well, they're part of the, you know what I mean? You're already part of the system. It's hard for me to have to step in a certain side that way. So I think the free market has a lot of options that we should uh, really look into. Yeah, there's definitely room for discussion there. Um, I think that's going to be the way policing is going to go eventually. Um, not sure if I like the look of a completely privatized police state or not, um, or if it just goes to private security for individuals who can afford it, and then it's kind of free range for everyone else. It's kind of it's tough to predict where this stuff goes, but um, I'll post like a video about uh, the Detroit threat management. That's more. Um... I'm not really doing it justice because they found ways of because these people that they're supporting other parts of the community that aren't paying, but they're using the money that they're getting from like the big block uh the that the people that own the um the mini malls and stuff like that. They're paying for that and they're using that and doing um pro bono service for the community members that are not able to afford it. Okay. Yeah, I I checked that out for sure, man. Here's a little uh, uh, from Nick News um, that says, uh, uh, what's up, Rodrigo? Uh, Nick News, uh, little environmental news. Black snow, the thick soot that pollutes Pahokee, Florida. There's Cancer Alley, which is an area along the Mississippi River in Louisiana that's lined with oil refineries and air so toxic in New York South Bronx that 20% of children have asthma. What do these cities have in common? They're all examples of environmental racism, a form of systemic racism, where minority and low-income communities are surrounded by health hazards because they live near sewage, mines, landfills, power stations, major roads. In Philadelphia, it's hazardous waste. In San Carlos, Arizona, it's a mining project that would dishonor an Apache sacred site. So what they're doing is, again, they're using combining them and using the environment as well because we all know that they're not doing anything to actually fix the environment i've said it time and time again i will believe them when they legalize hemp 
and replace plastic with biodegradable plastic hemp plastic they can do that right now and they are not doing that because it the plastic companies will lose money and they have lobbyists yeah, yeah most definitely even um in an era where the you know it's all a big push for renewable technology or renewable energy and um, green technologies you know hemp never gets really mentioned in the mainstream where it really deserves to be uh it could be used to replace so many different things that are um kind of derived from oil-based products but there you go it's the oil companies that are lobbying to kind of uh their leverage because they've been in uh in the game for longer than most industries uh much longer than the green industry much so their uh their claws are deep there uh within kind of the the narrative and government as well but um it's interesting because you were seeing stuff like at least in my local area when you're going to grocery stores like they were only allowing you to buy bags from them you couldn't even take in your own renewable bags because of covid and you know all of a sudden like the environment wasn't very important to them anymore it, it was uh just an interesting little perspective yeah and well also to me there's like it's a double-edged sword here too because they are right like these factories are not in nice neighborhoods. They're always in the shittier neighborhoods. But if you take them away yeah. too, guess what? You take away more jobs. So it's like a double-edged yeah. sword. Like people don't think of both sides to it. Because yeah, like I've worked in plastic factories. And I mean, you don't want to work in these shit, these shitty factories. But at the time, you need the money too. So like it, it, it it's they're not figuring out ways and not everybody's just going to be able to code. We're not all coding. You know what I mean? That like they always promote, Oh, we'll just teach everybody to code. code. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, I always plug it, but I say, you know, focusing on the trades and stuff and getting kids like interested in that while they're in school would be, uh, you know, a big thing, but you've seen it with public schooling and stuff like they're cutting their budget for electives like that, you know, woodworking or metalworking or auto, auto mechanic stuff like it, it doesn't I, I can't push that stuff enough because those are very uh, essential jobs and they're good income and you're not going to be putting money into the university kind of scam system that uh, leverages debt against individual students. Yeah. Here's a little uh, uh, clip of this guy. I don't really know who he is. He's like, um, I believe he's a progressive. His name's Destiny, some like YouTube person. Like that's probably, oh, I've heard you of heard of him? him? Yeah, so I have a short little clip of him. He was at this conference and they were talking about the Great Reset. And uh, it was pretty interesting because that people would actually say this. This is what he said. Even the concept of a Great Reset isn't necessarily that bad. I'll play it one more time. Even the concept of a Great Reset isn't necessarily that bad. <laughs> isn't necessarily that bad and he he just has horrible argument of like yeah you know it's cool like uh if they just enslave us and we don't own anything and they own everything because they know better like what the like i don't understand how anybody can have a stance like that and i i know we haven't talked about the great reset in a while but i i just want to throw it back out there that this is happening and the digital dollar is coming like we can't get away from digital currency i believe it's it's just Inevitable. I mean, China just came out with the digital uh, yuan, so it's going to be coming to us soon, I think, to be uh, kind of a competitor to it. Yeah, but I think that the the fight, like, and I that's why, like, everybody that's uh, in on these cryptos and stuff like that in the market is beautiful because that's what we need is we need to make sure it's decentralized. We can't have it all connected because that's where yep. it doesn't work for us. We need to – some. this is – the fighting point that like is not talked about as much it, it is talked about in circles but i mean i don't think it's 
as mainstream of a topic is that these currencies are going to be very important that we need to not centralize it because if it centralizes back to the central banks it's like what's the point we just did the same thing and for nothing yeah most definitely um but more and more you're kind of seeing that too i think that's the push they're going for they want to take control away from uh you know the individuals that are not within government uh to have these kind of side currencies that devalue their own and kind of ride the lack of confidence i mean but what do you expect when you're printing trillions of dollars a year on pork barrel barrel spending and you know the lack of confidence in the system was shown with the whole gme uh you know counter uh squeeze on the hedge funds people are very aware that the system is fragile and they're wanting to you know move away from centralization with the financial systems and the central banks yeah and i think this is our chance to me this is yeah, the moment you have to seize the moment we have to yeah. push for that and we got to so the same out. thing at the same time holy cow because <laughs> <laughs> that's it's it's really true though this is the moment that we've been waiting for and i think that we need to bring that more to light like as much as possible that how important it is to not be stuck in the same system that we've been in forever true um, for me though, like, I feel like there's kind of a, uh, potential, I don't know, liability with, um, digital currencies because, you know, if the, the power's off, how can you really get to your digital currency? Yeah. So, That's a great I mean, point. yes, I'm all for decentralized, um, uh, you know, encrypted cryptocurrencies, but at the same time if the lights are off how can you get to your money well it would definitely not be centralized once the lights go off <laughs> that everybody yeah. would be trading whatever they have and every <laughs> it would uh really change things it really would going back to a barter system would be pretty wild i think ah, it could be good though for <laughs> might be for the best though it, it, you never know it would level off in a couple of years it would be pretty uh hectic at first i think Depending on what you have, the all the uh, preppers yeah. would be great, man. They've been prepping. They'd oh my, <laughs> kings! Yeah. They'd be the kings and queens of the land. <laughs> like, man, it's my time to shine. I mean, like I just really prep a little They've bit, been... but not like those real preppers. Yeah, me too. Uh, like you know, I'll spend a little bit of my monthly income each month and kind of put it aside and invest in little things yeah. here and there. And that's a realistic way of doing it. Don't go in debt trying to do yeah. this. Some people do. And I mean, it kind of come back to bite you really. Then like, uh, I got pretty much, uh, that's pretty much most of my clips, but I got like a last one that I'll end it with. It's like, uh, well, we'll talk about it. I don't know if you got anything else. I got a couple things. Um, so here's one uh, international media confirms pullout of russian troops from crimea and ukraine border russia has given further confirmation friday of a major troop reduction underway in its southern region causing ukraine and regional powers to breathe a sigh of relief russian defense ministry still blamed the united states for this month's escalations and tensions which has driven world headlines and i found it really interesting like you know that the russians were saying you know that was uh in response to us and nato escalations and they were willing to kind of de-escalate it themselves but i think in it's that in, in itself is a flex uh to show how quickly they can mobilize that much of their forces and then they can draw it back down because they're feeling that confident about the situation 
Yeah. It, it was interesting. Um, I think there's going to be a lot more action in that area of the world. So stay tuned for sure. Yeah, I think that conflict in the Taiwan conflict is going to be the next. We're going to keep hearing about that for the next two, three, four years. Well, don't forget the Middle East. Yeah, <laughs> there's all Iran there's too, plenty yeah. of uh, <laughs> scenarios there. <laughs> yeah, who knows how that's going to all play out too. But I did think it was interesting that Russia kind of felt the confidence of just backing off a little bit. They kind of just flexed their muscle, I felt, and then they're like, "All right, just let you know, like just to let you know." How do you think the? How do you? Th I don't. I don't know if we really talked about it too much. I mentioned the article, uh, I think, two episodes ago. But with uh, Biden kind of extending the withdrawal date from Afghanistan, do you? How do you think that's going to go? Uh, with the Taliban. I don't know. I feel and, like uh, it's a Biden. weird setup because like of the anniversary like it just seems like of course like just like think of a movie like plot right you'd be like on the an the 20th anniversary we plan to do it just seems so scripted for it to be on that date like i felt like he should have just kept with the plan and immediately now he's trying to backpedal a little bit and saying like oh well yeah well we're honoring the plan and we're beginning it on may 1st but you know that uh, but i think they should just really uh bring the troops home because we've done enough damage it's not like the troops fault but there was it was a uh, like the war on drugs a, a war that could not be won it was a, a useless war as part of the war on drugs yeah 80 percent of the world's opiums yep. grown in afghanistan why exactly why why did we and go to Saudi? you know what i mean times nicely with the opioids epidemic across the country uh coming into play after we've been there for some time you know little coincidences and it that's why I always say, like, you know, you're arresting El Chapo, but you're not arresting these big farmers that are pushing oxys and Vicodins. Like, they know what they do to people. They're not making it for them not to get bought you know, or, or, or prescribed. They don't just make like, yeah. hey, we'll make a few just in case. Like, so, yeah, I, I agree with that because we should have went to Saudi Arabia if they were all Saudi Arabian. And then we went to Afghanistan. And then the the biggest lie, the weapons of mass destruction, the hugest lie that we heard. <laughs> and we're still there. I mean, just recently there was rocket attacks again. Um, I believe on Baghdad, uh, the green zone. But the thing is, a lot of the personnel on the ground, like you're saying, we need to get our, the, our boys out of there. But now they're moving in a big way to privatized um, uh, mercenaries and, you know, uh, armed groups. Well, that's been Whether they're contractors or uh, localized groups, um, which I think is going to be even more uh, potentially dangerous for human rights and stuff. But at the same time, you know, it's it, we shouldn't have our flag there planted on Afghan soil after all this time, in my opinion. Yeah, and and uh, what's it called? Uh, these those mercenaries been around for a while. The most famous group was Blackwater. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard of them. There, that was the most notorious oh, yeah. of all these mercenary groups, and they're getting people from all over. And they're just these people are just like hitman for hire, basically. You know what I mean? They don't care. They have nothing in it except getting paid. That's what's that. That is some of what's going on too. That's not discussed enough. There's a lot of private military outfits and intelligent outfits and even these think tanks these think tanks are influence a lot of what goes on in policy as well exactly um i think that's where it's gonna go uh biden will pull all official military out but then they'll probably lean heavily on these private military contractors yeah. to kind of keep their uh yeah 
influence and the agenda in place that they have, you know, invested, what is it, two trillion, I think now? Yeah. In Afghanistan alone. Uh, it's crazy. Yeah, it's wild, man. I can't believe that. And we, although that kind of pales in comparison to the, all the spending and stimulus stuff they've been doing lately here domestically with the COVID spending, but the the dollar's uh, in for a wild ride in the near future, oh. in my opinion. Yeah, we're, that's why I think they're pushing the digital currency. Like, I didn't play it, but I had a little clip. It was a little long, so I didn't want to play it. Uh, the Fed's talking about how they are pushing for a digital because they know that's the reset. That's that great reset for everybody. They're just racking up, and I feel like they're trying to collapse these uh, economies to force a digital currency because people are going to be hurting. You know what I mean? You have no choice. Okay, are you going to not eat, or are you going to go on to this uh, digital passport? Not not as, The COVID passport is the digital ID. That's really what it is, and that's the unveiling of that. But it will be tied to the digital currency, and it will be tied to social credit yes. scoring in a— sort of more westernized way than they do over in uh, communist China. Yeah, and it's going to be all that, uh, you know, cancel culture attitude of uh, you better act right. Probably. Yeah, it's going to try to be Fort Boy. I don't care. Like, I'll be like, man, you can't cancel me, man. I tell them all the time. Like, I say what I want, and I try to, like, uh, be unbiased. But, of course, I have my biases, but I try to see through them, like what I think we should all do and be as logical as possible. But this is what we're going to hear. Do something, or I will tweet, and you will be canceled. That's what we're here about. <laughs> oh man! Oh, but this is yeah. the last clip I got. It's uh, remember that uh, um, church, that Christian church in uh, Calgary, I believe, that uh, Polish pastor. Uh, remember, yeah. he, he would, stop! Oh, you get out of here! Like, uh, well, they went call them Nazis and stuff. <laughs> well, they went back, was, and I really oh, commend no. this dude because. He really handles it the best way, I think. And it's, I don't know, he, he wins every time. So if we could come in and do The cave of Abdullah is not, uh, is not a registered organization. And this is not street church, so you have a wrong. You got to okay. do your homework first before you come, okay? You have a wrong, you have a wrong organization. Okay, that is for you, Arta. Uh, yeah. I will send it to you by email too, if you'd like. I just wanted to be able to come today and then at least explain the order, serve the order, and then we can stand at the back. No, you can contact. Can no, 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 no. You can contact my lawyer. Okay, my lawyer takes care of this. I'm not interested to listen to any word you have to say. I do not cooperate with the Gestapo. I do not talk to the Nazis. You came in your uniforms like thugs. That's what you are. Brown shirts of Adolf Hitler. You are Nazi, Gestapo, communist, fascist. I do not cooperate with Nazis. Talk to my lawyer. You're not allowed here. You're not welcomed here. And I'm not going to cooperate with Gestapo like you, okay? So is that fair enough for you? Okay, Talk to my wanted, lawyer. I just wanted to explain a little bit about the order. I'm not interested. I to at least have a conversation. I'm not interested in talking. Talk you see, you see, this is what the Gestapo is doing. You coming to you coming to the place of worship to intimidate and to harass. So you can make an appointment, lady. Listen to me. You can make an appointment another day. Okay, you get stumped. You don't need to Another day. Not this day. Not this day. Okay. Not during the church. Okay. You understand? Okay. Make an appointment. Okay. Fine. Okay. So go. See you later on. Have a good day. You are C. 
sick. That's what you are. And rightfully so, you change your uniforms to black because you're exactly acting like the Gestapo of old. <laughs> man, the power of Christ compels them to <laughs> listen to this man. Like, he... He's doing the Lord's work. He's standing up for himself. He's defending his church and his faith. You know, more power to him. We need more of that um, all across the board, you know, not just in churches, but we need that in small businesses. We need that in, uh, uh, what is it, you know, parent-teacher conferences or, you know, school board meetings, uh, what have you, your local council meetings, where, wherever it is. Uh, you have to stand up and you have to like speak out for yourself. Otherwise, everyone's going to walk all over you. You know, that's an old saying, but it's kind of how they're treating everyone with this whole COVID nonsense and trying to keep the lockdowns going, even though the numbers are uh, declining. I had one article that's saying uh, in the UK that they dropped to, uh, it was only like four four deaths in a day and that's below the rate of actual deaths by car accidents and there's there's dodging the question saying like oh we're not trying to get to zero covid in this country you know there's a point we'll open up and re release the restrictions but no they're not going to open up they're not going to give up their power unless we take it back ourselves i'm telling you very one day very soon we're going to wake up and we're not going to be talking about covid we're only going to be it's going to be the same scenario but we're going to be talking about climate it's already in the patch and they're trying to pass off the baton yeah. right now. Like just watch their they magic are. working. They're trying to blend all these topics together and to get to their main narrative, which is climate change, which is green new deal 2030. You know what I mean? All those agendas wrapped up into one. So I think you could see the big which, push for that. Yeah, indeed. Um, and it very much ties into kind of how, uh, a lot of the elite, like the upper crust elite, are very much pro-eugenicism. Um, and then you have uh, that 40-country meeting, a Zoom meeting um, for climate change this week where Biden's the only one wearing a mask on a Zoom meeting. What an actual embarrassment. Yeah. Uh, but then they have, like, Bill Gates in there, uh, you know, getting a platform. And, you know, he just gets propped up so well and so nicely by all these guys in the actual positions of power. It's almost like he's a de facto ruler uh, in a way. But... Uh, crazy times and it that we've been saying it for the last few episodes they are trying to make uh pass the baton on from covid to the climate change crisis uh in the form of the lockdowns and the government oppression oh yeah for sure that's what's going to happen is it like we said the carbon just look out for that and and also too i really think that we do got to pay attention to the threat that i call it the threat that klaus schwab made about the um uh, hacker, you know, like a, a, a hacking oh, cyber, yeah, attacks. cyber attacks, you know what I mean? I think that we've got to keep that in the forefront because uh, while we're distracted, they're always trying to go, you know, do something sleight of hand, you know, while you're, oh, hey, look at that over there. And then boom, we're going to just like I think it was always huh? uh, uh, crazy that they never talked about. And it wasn't even brought up in the case about, you know, the alleged uh, drug ring that was uh, a part of the Minneapolis Police Department. Um with the, uh, Mr. George Floyd's passing. So I think that was another thing that was not addressed, which could have been the reason why if th that was, if he was killed and that was the reason, well, maybe because he knew something about a drug ring that was pretty telling that those certain spots got burnt down and the main evidence yeah. of the police station and they stood down. Remember the police were like, okay, we're leaving. And they all left at one time. They all took off and never seen that before. 
And then they took the police station and they burned it down with all the evidence. If that was a drug ring. I watched that live. I remember when that happened, man. That was unbelievable. I'd, you know, never precedented, never had a police station been stormed like that by any uh, group. I feel like that was kind of, a, a lot of it, you know, is crazy to say it is somewhat theater. Um, false flaggy. I think that was part it's of it. false flaggy yeah, for sure. Yeah, it is kind of, just kind of to give up the station like that. Um, but maybe, you know, if they're undermanned, uh, yeah, no, there's, it was there's given a lot from of the... discussion to be had about it for sure. I, I, I really enjoy these conversations just because it's like... You never know where we're going to go. The media doesn't cover it at all, and so it's, you know, a lot to unravel there with these stories. Well, there's questions that could, should be asked that are not asked. Like, exactly. just because this one thing is bad doesn't mean we should forget about the other bad things that were done. Like, we need to know exactly what was going on in there, and, and Discovery should have brought that to light. And I don't think they even wanted to address those situations, which would mean, because it would show, like, more that it's more than just uh, uh, it's corruption of all levels of power, power hungry people, egotistical people at times that are able to step the boundaries of uh, of the law. I think you're frozen right there right now. I don't know if you're coming back. There you are. You're back. No, you're back. <laughs> you're frozen for a little bit. but <laughs> You're back. Uh, I'm back. I can't tell. Um... But yeah, like but, uh... I think that 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 uh, moving forward, we got to look at everything that to me and personally, you have to. Take every government agency with a grain of salt. Like, not saying you can't. I would never blindly back any government agency, whether you have people and good people that uh, are a part of those organizations. That doesn't mean I'm sure there's good people at the CIA. You know what I mean? I'm sure there's good people at the NSA, uh, like the DIA, all these places. But they also is potential for a small group of people to be able to uh, manipulate the masses, which we see on a daily basis. If you watch any news and how there's a crisis every moment. That's the mass hysteria that they're unveiling for everybody so that we can always be in panic and always be in flight or fight mode instead of actually logically thinking of situations and trying to find solutions. I agree with you. Uh, it's, you know, there's a cohesive narrative uh, and players uh, in the game. Call it a cabal, if you will. Um corporate establishment, political establishment, they're all working together. Um, whoever's pulling the strings on top is kind of debatable. I've heard a lot of different theories, but it's more, like you said, it's very important to kind of actually take the time to focus on what the propaganda is and disseminate it and, you know, find out what the agenda is for yourself and form your own opinions, be a critical thinker and, I mean, we all saw Seize the video. Own, uh, we all saw the video. Your of the, own truth, uh, your own power. Uh, we all saw the video of the cop that was breaking the windows. You know what I mean? Like in the police uniform or whatever that like gear. Like there was stuff like that. It just tells me that, that there's so many agitators, and I think that we've lost focus on that. That we've kind of polarized again. Like, oh, they're against this or they're against liberty. And I think there's a mixed uh, things going on in there. I think in all these groups that we all have a lot of uh, common ground that we need to really find because we're just fighting each other when we should really realign and figure out who our true enemies are that are actually keeping us down and that are actually affecting our lives. That way we can actually further our agenda and actually make real change and raise the quality of life for every human being in this country. Most definitely, man. So we just got to keep chipping away at it. We're working on it. Uh, I think like we're close to like doing uh 
podcasting together now for like a year almost. Yeah, we're getting up there, man. Uh, I on Thursday will be one year that I've had this page. Like I started it one year ago. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. No more Facebook. Everything's gone. And then I was like, ah, just I started Instagram. Started like just saying whatever I wanted and then just keep going. And then started the podcast about like a few weeks later, maybe a month later. So, yeah, approaching close to a year doing this has been pretty fun. It's been nice to uh, meet a lot of different people, especially in a time when everything was closed off. So meeting a lot of different people and uh, seeing different perspectives and trying to learn every day. Everybody teaches me something new because they have a new perspective that I may not have considered. And then. I'm, at that moment, it may seem like a debate, but later on, I'm going to think about it and I'm going to stop and go, OK, maybe you were right. And I'm going to analyze it and maybe we should all try to do that a little bit more. Most definitely uh, an open mind is a healthy thing and being willing to have that debate and discussion with other people that you may not uh, see the, the logic behind their reasoning at, at first. Um, give it time, have the discussion, have the debate. Um, don't be hostile, but, you know, have an honest discussion and debate. Yeah. And you'll, you know, more often than not find you're on a similar footing. Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us. I, that's all I got. I'm going to wrap it up right now. Yeah, me too. So, yeah, appreciate everybody that's been here. You know, you can uh, find us. Uh, we'll post this like we always do on the page. But then you can go to Spotify or Apple and listen to some of the shows. I got some other shows that are not on our Instagram uh, got one with uh, James from We The People just posted, just posted uh, the swap cast we did with uh, Steak for Breakfast podcast. Uh, just getting uh, different perspectives. I'm going to do a couple other podcasts this week with uh, some other people. And then on Thursday, I'm going to do a podcast with uh, our buddy Bill from uh, uh, Woke and Bake podcast. We're going to do a little like kind of uh, anniversary-ish kind of like podcast where we talk about, uh, you know, the black nobility and uh, I don't think people talk about the black nobility a lot. They're, they don't. They talk about the Rothschilds and the Rockefellers. So I wanted to expose like more of the bloodlines of the Phoenicians and what really uh, entangles it. So we're gonna kind of jump on that topic. And other than that, man, you know you could catch the music on Apple and Spotify. Sean, Chris, uh, check our new song out on YouTube. Christian Brothers, shut them down. Uh, other than that, you know how we do it: wake the fuck up or get woke the fuck up. We're gonna end out on this. to plug in, turn on, and cop out. You will not be able to lose yourself on Skag and skip out for beer during commercials because the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by Xerox in four parts without commercial interruptions. The revolution will not show you pictures of Nixon blowing a bugle and leading a charge by John Mitchell, General Abrams, and Spiro Agnew eat hog moths confiscated from a Harlem sanctuary, the revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be brought to you by the shape of a war theater and will not star Natalie Woods and Steve McQueen or Bullwinkle and Julia. The revolution will not give your mouth sex appeal. The revolution will not get rid of the nub. The revolution will not make you look five pounds thinner because the revolution will not be televised, brother. There will be no pictures of you and Willie Mae pushing that shopping cart down the block on the dead run or trying to slide that color TV into a stolen ambulance. 
NBC will not be able to predict the winner at 8.32 on the court from 29 districts. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of pigs shooting down brothers on the instant replay. There will be no pictures of Whitney Young being run out of Harlem on the rail with a brand new process. There will be no slow motion or still life of Roy Wilkins strolling through what in a red, black, and green liberation jumpsuit that he has been saving for just the proper occasion. Green Acres, Beverly Hillbillies, and Hooterville Junction will no longer be so damn relevant, and women will not care if Dick finally got down with Jane on search for tomorrow because black people will be in the street looking for a brighter day. The revolution will not be televised. There will be no highlights on the 11 o'clock news and no pictures of Harry R. Woman Liberationist and Jackie Onassis blowing her nose. The theme song will not be written by Jim Webb or Francis Scott Key, nor sung by Glenn Campbell, Tom Jones, Johnny Cash, Engelbert Humperdinck, or The Rare Earth. The revolution will not be televised. The revolution will not be right back after a message about a white tornado, white lightning, or white people. You will not have to worry about a dove in your bedroom, the tiger in your tank, or the giant in your toilet bowl. The revolution will not go better with coke. The revolution will not fight germs that may cause bad breath. The revolution will put you in the driver's seat. The revolution will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised, will not be televised. The revolution will be no rerun, brothers. The revolution will be live. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.